0: Hi, I'm Michael Radigan. You're listening to Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference um, with my co-host, Kat Silverman. Uh, You can follow me at Mikey Radz, Kat at Catherine M. Silverman. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Three Goals for One.
1: Uh, Three Cheers for Goal One. Fuck!
0: Three Cheers for Goal One. I was close. Three Cheers for Goal One, Uh, number three and number one uh you can follow our producer maxwell spar at maxwell spar uh we had recorded uh between after the stanley cup final and r- literally i think the eve uh the day before the draft or a couple days before the draft had mac our producer max on talked to a lot of uh ben Henrik Lundquist about uh, the upcoming draft it was a really good episode and for some reason, the audio cut out in the middle of it after we recorded. So hopefully that doesn't happen this time. But there is a lost episode that maybe we will uh, one day get to you. So since we last talked to you, uh, the Lightning won the Stanley Cup, which we knew. Then the NHL draft happened, which if you're following Kat, she had great analysis on uh, a lot of different players that were drafted, a lot of different goalies that were drafted. Um, yeah. So Kat, how's it going?
1: It's, it's going good, I uh I love that we had just, like, just a comedy of errors there with with our lost episode, which, like, if we ever find it, we'll have to title it The Lost Episode, like, with yeah. capital T-L-E. Um, I don't
0: know what happened, but it was... Just it.
1: because, like, you guys, I was, I was on my way down to the Apple store, so we recorded it the day before the draft. Um, Max had something to do the day of the first round, which was obviously only in the evening. So things were a little more low key. Um, and then the second day of the draft hit and that's like shit hit the fan because that's when teams are making rapid fire picks except for this year when they took 6 million hours. Um, the draft started at eight 30 Pacific time. So got up, dropped my daughter at school, got ready to start doing some of the, the analysis on the goalies that were being drafted. Um, for those who follow me on Twitter, you might already know, but I have a very not not super old but oldish MacBook. Um, she's a beauty. She still works really well, but I have the one that has the sticky keys. Um, it's the butterfly keyboard. So the keys had started to stick and some of them had broken off. So I basically had a laptop with like the H key, the R key, the P key, like they were all just resting on top of it, so I could type. And if my fingers were too like sticky or sweaty or it was too humid, like I couldn't type. It was a mess. So right before my AppleCare expired, I um, had scheduled to bring my laptop in to get it repaired, and so I scheduled it for 2 p.m. the day of the second round of the draft. I was like, it starts at 8:30 in the morning. We should be finished with. All these draft picks, it's virtual anyway, nobody gives a fuck, should be done by at least like 1pm at the latest. And at 1pm, I was still sitting there typing stuff up about third round players, because they weren't even halfway finished. And so I had to like panic, shut everything down, race to the Apple store, had to call corporate from my car, tell them I was running late, they didn't give up my appointment, And then I get texts from you and Max saying, hey, can you check your Skype? Uh, The audio cut out for us at 23 minutes. And I couldn't check it because I was relinquishing my laptop to the Apple Genius bar. So that was kind of wild. I don't think we've ever had that much chaos over an episode. Um,
0: Yeah, let's knock on wood. Doesn't happen again.
1: Right. Uh, Well, my laptop is back. It's fixed. We don't have a draft coming up. Free agency has settled down um, before, with some pretty, yeah. pretty big moves there. Um, before,
0: before we jump into free agency, I just want to say the New York Islanders have the skill of the draft, drafting Alex Jeffries out of Merrimack College, which is a school that only really handsome people either go to or have attended. So that was really nice to see. Oh, <laughs> my <God. laughs> um, Good
1: for you. I'm very happy that yeah, <laughs> you I, I got
0: Yeah. I saw to that. I was like, oh, shit. That's awesome. <laughs> Anyway, getting into NHL free agency.
1: Um, Yeah, mostly goaltenders, which we do have a guest that's coming on here in a little bit, who's going to go over all those goalie moves. Um, Super exciting. Really great interview. Um, But there were a couple notable skater moves as well. A couple trades, a couple free agent signings. Um, Right off the bat, I just want to say, like, the Avalanche, they disgust me. I'm done with them. Don't want to talk about them. Whatever Joe Sakic has over the rest of the league, um, I don't know. I don't want to know because I don't want him to come after me, too. It's like he bends them over a barrel and says, I would like this elite underrated player that you have, this elite underrated player that you have, and this player to go on my third line who belongs on the first line of a marginal team. Um, I will give the I, I would like them in return, I will give you a player who is not working out for us and probably won't work out for you either, and a mid-round draft pick. How does that sound? And all these GMs are like, sure, okay. Because um, obviously they've they've acquired Andre Burakovsky, Philip Grubauer, Nazem Kadri. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of some of the others that they've managed to snag from other teams. Um this, this time just, around they, this got time, Saad.
0: they got brandon sod they got
1: brandon
0: sod for <laughs> <What>? <laughs> i mean he's just he's still i think of can be a very productive a pretty productive player and i think he'll fit in nicely with that top nine and then he got uh an islander he got devin devin taves who's a top four defenseman and he's a good middle pairing defenseman and he's he's uh can play on the power play and he they only traded two second round picks for that and that was more because uh you know teams are just fucked with this uh flat cap and you have other guys you gotta and it's just it's like i don't know it's you're kind of it you're kind of screwed you gotta and Sakic has plenty of cap space and he should he just took advantage of that so good for him you see, there's a lot of trades like that. Like Ryan Murray went to uh, the Devils for a fifth-round pick. Like What's from-
1: amazing, though, is we talk about the Avalanche having all that cap space and being able to take on these players. Yeah. The Blackhawks still retain salary in the Brandon Todd trade. They re-
0: retained a million dollars. like That's
1: crazy to me. Yeah. A team I- that has cap space right now yeah. still managed to talk another team sure. into retaining salary. And taking on Nikita Zadorov, who, no disrespect to him, but Devin Taves is a stark upgrade on having him in the lineup. So that's a net positive. Like I don't, I don't know how how he did that. All these other GMs are like begging each other for favors, right? They're like, I will give you my firstborn son. I will, I will pay your, I will pay your arena staff. Like I don't know what. Deals they're making on the side just to convince other teams to take on
0: these bad contracts. yeah.
1: Right. And they took on a not an amazing contract because the Brandon Saad one, that's not a steal or anything, but a potentially market value contract and then still managed to get the Blackhawks, who are not doing amazing cap wise, by the way. They um, still managed to get them to retain a million dollars. Like, I don't I don't understand.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't love that trade. I, As an Islander fan, I don't love the Devin, Devin Taves' uh, trade. He is a restricted free agent, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the Islanders do with those other two picks and if they can move one of their bad contracts out and then sign another guy that's available, like Mike Hoffman and Anthony DeClaire or uh, dadanov if they can make you know, add to their top nine, maybe it's a pill to swallow. They're also dealing from a position of strength. Uh, they have a very good decor, so they have guys that could slide into his spot. But I'm still, I still don't love the trade. And I, it's GMs run wild this year, uh, this every offseason. So, uh, and we can see that in the two biggest signings, which were, this uh, is his name, Alex Petrangelo, right? Yes. Signed um, with Vegas, to Vegas. And Taylor Hall signed to Buffalo. Uh, let's
1: start with petrangelo because let me take a quick look um according to cap friendly the golden knights have zero dollars in cap space right now i believe they are technically over the cap when you look at it yep for a while there they were 6.9 million over the cap um they already had to deal away one player but they're so stacked that like it doesn't matter anyway they're going to be able to get rid of someone else too and like still be an elite team um
0: they they just don't worry about the cap which is (laughs) they're just like it doesn't exist
1: right they build I that's that's baffling to me um they also managed to manage to sign Petrangelo without getting rid of Marc-Andre Fleury um which so now they have they have Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard as their tandem moving forward um good for Fleury for getting to stay where he is I know that was his Ultimate goal. um, but yep. even better for Robin Liner. he signed for five, five. years, five mil. Um, yep. great He deserves that's a great
0: it. deal for him he's he's a top three goalie right now, I feel like
1: yeah, he's he's been so good for so long, and yep. he's he, he deserve- just, he's finally getting he's, he's 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 getting a team that's showing him that they trust him. and yeah. I think he deserves that. He's given. I- Every indication that he deserves it, and I'm I'm happy for him. I th- but I think
0: he's a guy that people would at some point like to see him raise a cup in his career.
1: I would absolutely. I I'd, I'd be happy seeing that. The only time I've ever cried seeing a player raise the cup, um, Ray Bork. <laughs> I still I still kind of cry when I watch oh like the replay God. of that. Like he starts to cry and then I start to cry and it's super ugly. Um, but I would I would cry like a baby, watching Robin Leonard lift yeah, the cup, because but, he'd probably be sobbing too. Oh, but. yeah.
0: Get, so that's but getting back to Petrangelo, uh, what do you think? Like that's a big deal. That is he is probably a top five defenseman right in the league. That's a that's a it's really long term, right? It's eight years. Yep. And he's thirty.
1: No, it's seven years. Sorry, seven it's, years. It's so seven he's thirty. So he'll be 37. He's making 8.8 8 mil per. Oof. It's a deal. It's a deal to me that you sign when you are a team yes. that knows you are in not yep. your playoff window, but your cup, cup window. You got
0: to win a cup in the next three or four years before he starts to. And, and then you He's just, just say full you know what? No
1: move clause too. Yeah. No full no, no movement. So hope you
0: know, he stays productive through the first half, maybe five years, six years, but then you have to have a cup. A cup or two by then, because then you just go. You know what? He, it's worth it. Even though he declined, it's worth it. And he's a guy that he is a difference maker on that back end. Uh, there are there are t- you know the West is still going to be really good. I mean, like we said, Colorado. I I still kind of have them as favorite, but I I do give Vegas that goaltending edge, which you know matters a ton in the playoffs. But it's going to be fun to see. You know, maybe we'll see a lot of Vegas. Aval- uh, Colorado Avalanche Western Conference Finals uh, down the road
1: I think it's fascinating that we that we got this Petrangelo deal just because we see like looking at another couple of Western Conference teams um, the LA Kings have a couple contracts that they cannot unload because nope. their players are too old, they're not good Yeah. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks have some players that they probably cannot unload um, Brent Seabrook, bless his heart. Um, Duncan
0: Keith.
1: Duncan Keith. And even with no movement clauses, uh, it sounds like those guys want out now because yeah, the team has not decided happy. to rebuild. They are not happy. I don't know we would take them. Um, Oliver Rackman Larson, similar deal to the Alex Petrangelo deal. Um, I believe his is 8.7. Um, it looked like a perfectly market value deal when he signed it. And... He then started to decline very rapidly. Um, He still has stretches where he looks like an $8.7 million defender. There are other stretches where he does not. Um, So I think that I would give it halfway through this deal for Petrangelo and it's going to look very ugly. Um, But a deal that is not going to look ugly for anyone but maybe the player who signed it. Um, Taylor Hall, you could have given me a list. You could have said, write down the top fifteen teams that you think Taylor Hall will go to. Um, Buffalo, and would, not have been on Buffalo it. would not. Buffalo wouldn't have been on my top thirty-one.
0: Twenty-five teams I, <laughs> reached out to him. 20, 25 teams, I think, called him to like. So he he had a ton of suitors.
1: First at- off, who are the six teams that were dumb enough not to do their due diligence there? What six teams? Didn't didn't even call him to see what he was looking for.
0: Well, Coyotes, I mean, Coyotes didn't because they tried to negotiate with him right before free agency, and then he said he's he's gonna.
1: I think they still spoke to him. They though. still spoke. They, they still okay. Count within that twenty five. Okay. The the six that didn't are teams that did not even reach out.
0: Maybe Ottawa.
1: Uh, Ottawa, I believe, is one of them. Montreal is one of them. Um Montreal
0: didn't reach out to Hall, really.
1: Correct. Um and I I understand if you don't have the cap space, I get it. Um, but at the very least, when you have and and maybe maybe this is just me, I think if there is a top free agent on the market, at the very least to figure out what you want to pay your other players, because on July first, most years, this year it was what, October 9th, whatever. Yeah. On that first day of free agency, unless you're dead you're at least signing some of your players to extensions and some of those players the taylor halls the alex petrangelo's aren't signing their deals until a couple days into free agency and so handicapping yourself by refusing to even call and see what they're looking for Right. You're missing out on at least getting a feel for what the market's looking like because even if Taylor Hall tells you like let's say he has no no intention of going to Montreal whatever you call him you ask him what he's looking for maybe his agent knows he's not going to go there and says to come to you guys it would have to take 10 million. Yeah. Clearly it didn't take 10 million it took 8 to get him to go to Buffalo um but Which, at least you have an idea yeah. of what he's looking at and I just I don't understand, not even asking.
0: So yeah, I, I agree. It's it doesn't hurt but, to ask. I but
1: looking at it from his perspective, I, don't I also it. don't understand.
0: I mean, I understand it maybe like he said he wants to win. Listen, I think Buffalo, their their team that's good like I, I feel for their that franchise and their fan base they have a really nice top six. Now they have a very good top six. The rest of the team. Isn't that great? And yeah, he'll get to play next to Jack Eichel and he'll get to, I think he'll, they'll put up really nice numbers together. And I think, you know, I think they'll look really good. And I think they have a very nice second line as well. And they, you know, they have Jeff Skinner in there too. who's still, uh, he's a very good player, but that defense is not impressive. Mm-hmm. Their third and fourth line. I, you know, I, those are all pretty much replaceable players. Uh, their goaltending is not what they've hoped it was. So I don't think that's a team that's going to win. I, I, I still kind of see them finishing maybe below the rest of the pack in that, uh, in that division, uh, the Atlantic division. Like, I could see maybe the Red Wings being a little better than them. I mean, they'll be better than the Senators, but I like some of the moves. The Red, Red Wings made some savvy moves. So I could see them being maybe a little better than Buffalo. I don't know. I, I like Buffalo will be better. How much better? I, they're not better than Montreal. They're not better than Toronto. They're not better than Boston. They're not better than Tampa Bay. They're better than Ottawa. They'll maybe be the same. I, I kind of like Detroit as a big improvement team this year in that division. But I, I still don't think it pushes them over the edge in terms of what they need.
1: I mean... At the very least, I think Buffalo took, for, for the first time, I would say in, I don't even know how long it's been, 10 years, Buffalo did the right thing sure. this offseason yes. in the sense that they brought in Eric Stahl. He has one year left on his deal. I like that um, trade.
0: I thought that was a good trade.
1: He looks good. You, so you bring in a veteran who, for the last couple of years, has at the very least been a top six player. You bring in Taylor Hall, who is a top-line player. Yep. And you bring in Tobias Reeder, who, at the very least, you're bringing in a guy who plays in the NHL. You're not bringing in...
0: A replacement-level player.
1: Right. And for the last few years, I feel like they'd been bringing in either, with no disrespect to Kyle Ocposo, but, like, they brought in a guy like that who was nearing the tail end of his career but on a very long... Contract. Um, yeah, and he's dealt Harris with a lot.
0: All has of, one year. Yeah, I post dealt with a lot of trauma too, just concussions and personal life, and um, he hasn't really been right since those couple of concussions he's had. So yeah, and they still have him. I he's a guy like I loved him on the Islanders. I hope he gets his game back. But yeah, like you said, it, they're making the right moves. I I agree, but there's still a lot of holes to fill, right?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I trying to look at it from Taylor Hall's perspective i i can kind of see it in the sense that you know he like you said he had 25 different teams that talked to him um he very clearly got a sense of the market he got to see what teams were interested in paying him he got to see what they considered his value to be and he got to see what teams could afford Right now, not talking about once teams start fire sailing and, you know, whatever they end up doing during the season. But he at least got to see what they're doing right now. And he went to a team that really could go in either direction. And I personally don't think that the Red Wings are going to be better next year. Because I think that Franz Nielsen, um yeah. first off, he's their second highest paid forward. I, I don't have any Faith that he's going to be. A I'm sur-
0: I think I'm surprised they didn't buy, didn't buy him out
1: yet. Yeah, I, I'm i a little shocked that he's still there. Valtteri Filipola is still on the team. That's baffling to me. Um, Darren Helm's still on the team. Also baffling to me.
0: Yeah, maybe I take that. Um,
1: back. I do like, I, some I I like the Bobby stuff. Ryan deal. I'm happy for him. Yeah, I don't Bobby understand Ryan why did. they still have Sam Gagne. Um, you know, they, they're a team that I'm happy that they have Thomas Grice and Jonathan Bernier. I think that's going to be a good goaltending tandem. I feel bad that Jimmy Howard yeah, was shown the door. Um, but their defense is made up of Mark Stahl, who I don't know how the finally... Oh, Rangers shit. Finals.
0: Okay, I, I I take it back. I, they're not going to be in <laughs> in Buffalo. I just, yes, I really liked... Mark I really Stahl,
1: Danny DeKaiser, Patrick Nemeth. They have Troy Stetcher. That's a good one. But I think that's probably going to get flipped back to Vancouver. Um, yeah. John Merrill, Alex Biega, and Philip Pronick. I don't yeah. understand what's going on with that. You're right. Game, I, right? I, okay.
0: I was, I got blinded by the Thomas Grayson and stretcher deal. I, I liked, I really liked those signings. I'm like, Oh, maybe they won't be bad, but um, they're still very much rebuilding. Okay. So Buffalo will be better than Ottawa and Detroit. Right. Uh, but
1: they, they could go in, in multiple different directions. Right. Because I think Montreal in series should be better than them yes. by a large stretch, but Montreal is a team that we've seen do some really baffling stuff. Um, yeah. They have underperformed at times. Yep. They got rid of Max Domi, who, whether you like him off the ice or not, um, which I think there's a case to be made there, uh, he was one of their best forwards for large stretches of his time there. Um, and they brought in Josh Anderson, who I think is okay. Um, then they signed him for like a bajillion years. Don't understand that one. I'm, um, I'm,
0: I mean, he was hurt last year. I am curious to see. Like, he's still young. I
1: would, I wouldn't sign him long term when, no, when I, we're still not sure what he is. I, um, but that's I just agree. me. I'm, I think I, Montreal I could head in either direction. They sometimes, um, they sometimes just absolutely spiral downwards. And I'm not entirely sure what's going on with Toronto. I don't think that they made themselves better this off season, and I think that the TJ Brody signing is good, right? But that defense still needs a lot of work, not just a little bit of work. Um, They didn't really change much about their forward court. They're still trapped in cap hell.
0: They signed signed Wayne Simmons, who I I like that deal for them, too. That was a nice, he's a nice uh, bottom six player to add, but...
1: I like that deal for him more than I do for them.
0: I, yeah, we'll see. I'm happy
1: we'll see. for him. Uh, but we'll yeah, that's a we'll see deal. Um, I think that's a team that, I mean, we've seen them with some good pieces in the past. And yeah, just a out. very tough, yeah, that's a very tough team and a very tough market. And I can yeah. see them at the very least faltering to where they're in that, that wild card race right sure. there. Um, and with if Buffalo... If Buffalo gets scrappy, if they have fun, um, which is something that we really haven't seen Buffalo do. Buffalo hasn't had fun. They haven't had a good time. If they finally start having fun, I can see them at the very least trying to push for those wild card spots, maybe. I don't... And...
0: Yeah, I I still think... Listen, no one hates the Maple Leafs. Like, I love to talk shit about the Maple Leafs, but I, I still think they'll be... Man, I, I they, they have so much talent with Tavares and Marner and Nylander and Austin Matthews. And I do like that TJ Brody signing. I think he'll help their top four. I do Did th- you just I,
1: compliment John Tavares?
0: I, I think T- John Tavares is a hell of a player. I think he's oh. ki- kind of a... Uh, I'm not going down the John Tavares road again. <laughs> <laughs> he he is... And they're already getting on him. I, I, I forgot which dumbass... It, it might have been Steve Simmons, honestly, Probably. saying... Uh, he's not living up to his contract, and I like. No, let me Whatever. look at his point per games with point per game with uh with the Leafs. He's
1: oh, suck me.
0: I mean, he's Sorry. average. He has 148 That's... points in 145 games. Like, what do you mean he's not? so? Anyway, I still think they're a very talented team. I, I could maybe see what you're saying with Montreal. I I definitely agree with that. They're kind of, I don't know. They're weird. Uh, I do love Montreal's signing of Tyler, Tyler Foley though, for, like, I think that was a really shrewd move, and I think Toffoli still has uh, a lot of game left, and I think that that was a nice add for them.
1: I would agree there, for sure. Um, but but looking at, from Taylor Hall's perspective, because um, I'm still, I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand him here. Like, I'm trying to get, just, just reach a point where we're at least able to see the linear logic, even if we don't agree with it. I, My best guess is that he's given himself flexibility, right? He didn't sign with Detroit or Ottawa, so he didn't sign with a true tanker. He didn't sign with L.A. He didn't sign with Anaheim. He didn't sign with, like I said, Ottawa or Detroit, teams that are clearly going to be bad. He signed with a team that could be scrappy and fight their way into a playoff spot, maybe, while he's playing, you know, boosting his his numbers alongside Jack Eichel there, but if they don't, if they continue to play poorly, he is on a one year deal worth eight million, and Buffalo could potentially retain some of that. So he's Good. still getting eight million, and he can get traded to another team at the deadline.
0: Does he have a no for move for an
1: affordable number? He has a no move. He can easily waive that
0: yeah if he a- wants
1: to go to a contender all he has to do is ask and i mean yeah. in theory buffalo could say no but my my assumption is that signing with a team like that you make it clear to the team i agree this is a no move clause uh i will waive it and let you guys send me elsewhere for he could fetch i mean look, look at it. what he fetched new jersey for arizona and that was for a team that was contending um, but not in their cup window so for a team that's in their cup window and could use him for six million maybe even seven million yeah it makes it more palatable for those teams if he needs to get flipped and if if buffalo ends up doing well by having him there then then he signed a deal and he gets to stay with the team so that's that's my only possible way of, of looking I, at that I
0: feel like Buffalo is gonna try to wrap him up uh, long term I think they're gonna try to hammer out a deal during the year whether that comes to fruition whether the team does well uh, we'll see um, before we get jump into our guest the one other signing I I, I liked uh, was the blues they they went out and signed Tory Krug I mean, they had to kind of replace Petrangelo, uh, but I think that was a good signing for them. Uh, I'm surprised the Bruins didn't try to keep him. Um, so the Bruins are in a kind of precarious spot. They signed Craig Smith, which I really liked, but um, yeah, that D, they're, I think they're hurting a little bit on D.
1: That hurts my heart. Um, so the Bruins went through this phase where if you played on the blue line... And you had any kind of grit or passion like they'd give you a four year deal worth yeah. at least two million over what you were worth. Dennis Seidenberg benefited from it handsomely. And so did Kevin Miller. Um, so the fact that they I'm I'm torn the fact that they didn't do that for Tory Krug. You know, they didn't sign him for over his market value for longer than he deserved. I'm like, you did it for all these guys who weren't good. Why won't you do it for one who is? But at the same time, I'm also like, good, you're learning your lesson. I I respect it and I accept it. I think that 6.5 mil as a cap hit for Tory Krug is nice right now. I think it's fair value. But once again, we look at the Alex Petrangelo deal. I think that Tory Krug's deal is not going to look pretty very soon because he's a guy who relies on his speed yeah um you know he's a smaller guy he can't necessarily play he's he's not Zdeno Chara he can't rely on having a 10 foot long stick and elite gap control to make up for the fact that he skates through cement now Oh, uh,
0: that's a seven year deal too I thought it was
1: yeah it's a seven year deal hmm. 6.5 mil per I I'm sad that Boston didn't feel the same way about him that they did about Dennis fucking Seidenberg. Um yeah. but at I, the same time, like I'm glad they learned their lesson because when that deal's over, he's gonna be what, thirty-six?
0: Thirty-six
1: and for a small offensive minded two way defender, because he is he's he's got good defensive awareness. Yeah, he's a, good he's, he's a great Both he's ways. a great power play driver. Yeah. And if he starts to slow down, I think he loses a tremendous facet of his game. And that's hard to reconcile with a 6.5 million dollar cap hit. So I I'm okay with it, I think. I'm not happy about it because I loved Tory Krug in Boston. I think the Bruins loved Tory Krug in Boston. I think sort of in a guest doll way, like the whole being more than the sum of the parts, having Tori Krug with Pasta and Marchand and Bergeron and Char. Like, I think that core works better together than they do when they miss one of the pieces. Um, sure. So I think we're going to see a big chunk taken out, bigger than just his raw value. But at the same time, like, I, I, I get it. I do. Yeah, I, I just I, don't I, know I, who they're going to replace him with. I've, yeah. I have no idea who they're I don't know who's still
0: out there that you can replace them with. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, good for the Blues too. I mean, you lose your captain. I mean, Tory crew is not a bad guy to have slide back on defense, and they're still a contender too. Uh,
1: yeah, the Bruins have nine, or sorry, they have they have five guys signed um, yeah. on their blue line right now.
0: Char—the Char will probably resign.
1: I I sure hope so.
0: I don't think he's going to retire yet.
1: They currently have Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, John Moore, Connor Clifton, Jeremy Lazon and if he he's an RFA, so I'm assuming he'll be back. Matt Grizelchik, um, Kevin, Kevin
0: Miller, yeah,
1: yeah, but he's on injured reserve right now. I don't I, know. I, I mean yeah.
0: I like McAvoy and Carlo, but uh, I mean I, I yeah they got to add and even if like, Char comes back, he's still. An effective guy. That's even for a hundred years old. But they, I don't know. Maybe they swing a trade. I, I they're gonna have to find help up front too because Marshand and Pasternick are. Uh, I think they're both getting surgery and they're gonna miss time yep. into January and February. So I mean, maybe they're a team that they kick the tires on Mike Hoffman or Dadanov or, uh, I don't know who else is out there. I'm tired. An
1: Anthony Duclair.
0: I love Anthony Duclair. I, I hope I he had a really nice season with Ottawa and I, I hope he finds a landing spot and he's still young. He's 25. I think I still, I th- think he'll be a pretty effective player wherever he ends up. Um, you want to tell uh, everyone about our guests that we have coming up?
1: Yeah, we are, we have a, a good friend of mine um, through Twitter. She's a Calgary flames fan. Um, her name is Chrissy, uh, Chrissy Lee. She is a, uh, She's never done a podcast before. Um, <laughs> she picked a and, doozy one. To <laughs> yeah, she she picked a doozy. Um, she picked a really, really elite one to decide to to break her podcasting silence. As a general rule, she doesn't go on podcasts. Um, for some reason, she changed her mind for us. Um, and we're very grateful for it. So yes. I guess we'll, we'll get right into that.
0: She did an awesome job. And uh, she said she was very nervous, which is funny because me and you are just... Uh, we don't know how to do this, so it's like we we literally lost an episode. Like there's nothing to be worried about. If
1: it makes you feel better, um, actually it might make you feel worse. That is the second episode of a podcast that I lost in a week span. Um, I actually was a guest on the the Bruise and Bruins podcast. Um. Earlier in that same week. Um,
0: you were a jinx.
1: <laughs> super long episode. Super good episode, too. We talked about a bajillion things. Izzy, made, my four-year-old daughter, made a guest appearance on it. Wow. Um, and it's all and gone. The the lovely gentleman who run that podcast, uh, one of them is a good buddy of mine, Kim Hasbrook. He forgot to tell me that um, you're... Each one of us individually records our end. um, And then we send all of the files to one person and they splice them together. Uh, Um,
0: It's too much.
1: I had been on their podcast before, um, but it had been like a few months earlier. So I obviously had not remembered to do that. Um, There was no reminder to me to do it. So I never recorded my end. um, And so they lost that podcast too. So,
0: so. Uh, So here's
1: Chrissy.
0: So with that being said, yeah, we will cut out for a second and come back with Chrissy and talk about uh, all the goalie changes, some Calgary Flame moves they made. And yeah, it was a really good interview.
1: All right. uh, So joining us today, um, we're super excited. Close friend of the pod and Mike Smith super fan, Chrissy Lee. Um, Good friend on Twitter. This is the first time we've spoken in person. Chrissy, how are you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing so well. It's so nice to finally hear your voice. I feel like we've known each other for a few years. Now we've like texted back and forth and I think we've even done fitness challenges, but we've never actually spoken.
1: This is true. We've done like in in the Twitter DMs, there's been a lot of like accountability when it comes to especially during quarantine, making sure that we uh, we kept ourselves from going going a little nuts there, um, doing some fitness challenges, but uh, never actually spoke not face to face, but voice to voice. And so it's nice to hear you. Um, what have you been up to? It's uh it's October. It should be uh it should be the NHL season. Instead, it's the off season, which is a little weird.
2: That's true. I was just thinking about how I think the, I watched the flames home opener in person last year and they played the Canucks. So it kind of came up on my, remember this day last year and how naive we all were. What a what a happy time <laughs> and who knew what we would get to now. Um, I've just kind of been keeping up with the hockey kind of an interesting like week getting outside, getting in, like lots of mountain stuff luckily um I'm just outside of Calgary so
1: I have the mountains kind of in my backyard
2: so that's been really nice
1: that's beautiful I'm super jealous of that we just uh in Phoenix we just broke a record for days over 100 Fahrenheit um for the year 2020 which is just like peak 2020 so when I hear about mountains and Good weather and people being able to wear flannel without sw- sweating to death. It makes me a little sad, but happy for you guys. So.
2: Oh, and it snowed today. That's like big news. No. Today.
1: <laughs> that hurts my heart. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, happy for you. Um, speaking of being happy for you, free agency has more or less died down. We still have a couple names floating around out there, but uh, the flames I'm hoping are done um picked up some pretty big names during during all of the chaos the biggest one I would say um I guess I'll I'll let you decide if it's the biggest one was uh, the Jacob Markstrom deal they picked him up for what is it six years at six mil per mm-hmm. yeah I, I how, think how does that feel <laughs> I don't
2: think anybody was shocked um I got the sense he was going to go to a Western team anyways. There was rumblings. Edmonton was in on the deal for a bit. Elliot Friedman kind of dropped a hint that him and Elias Lindholm were best friends and to keep an eye out for that when he was teasing free agency. Um, not surprising, but also not sure how I feel about it yet. Um, I'm not certain that goaltending is the Flames' biggest issue but it's maybe one they can fix right now. And arguably Markstrom is one of the best goalies in the league. So in that regard, I mean, he pretty much carried the Canucks through the playoffs into the. they have him to thank for that. So in, in that regard, I'm excited to watch him. Um, I have some concerns, uh, especially with, as you know, you guys know um, we have Dustin Wolf as a signing. So down the line, does that become a problem with Markstrom and Dustin Wolf? Um, we'll see.
1: How do you like the uh, the tandem there, assuming that they signed Louis Deming, who was one of their other two, one of their three <laughs> signings from the Canucks, they took half the Canucks. Um, assuming Louis Deming's goaltender number three in the system, right, that he's headed to the minors, um, mm-hmm. you have David Riddich, a uh, big save Dave, and Jacob Markstrom is your tandem there. Do you think that's confidence inspiring do you think that that's enough do you do you think that keeping dave on and letting talbot be the one who left instead of trying to move dave do you think that that was the right move do you think it was maybe maybe an area that they could have tweaked more what what's what's your take on that because i unfortunately didn't watch as (laughs) many flames games as i usually do last year i ended up watching more canucks games actually for for Mm -hmm. whatever reason
2: That's a great question. Um, I kind of have, I have love for both big save Dave and Talbot. Um, They really had a great tandem in my opinion. Like you didn't get that rivalry that you sometimes see with (laughs) looking awkward and Leonard, but it felt like a really supportive tandem um, and that carried through the playoffs. Like it just felt like they really supported each other and whoever was hot was going to be playing and I think that's what you want in a tandem situation where you can have either or when one is is playing better than the other um I really do see Markstrom as being our number one I I think Dave has come up well and we can count on him for games so I feel good about the Flames goaltending I don't think that's going to be an issue especially like I mean, all Markstrom does is block shots back there. I think there was one game in the playoffs, correct me if I'm wrong, but he saved like 60, 60 shots or had 60 saves something or like something that. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he is used to having a busy night, which is good because I'm not certain that the Flames defense got better during this period, so...
0: That was so, going to
1: be my next question, Yeah, <laughs> Mikey.
0: What you're saying, though, is Big Save Dave's agent isn't going to tweet a picture of him getting stabbed with a sword? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't believe so. <laughs> I, you know, like any interview I've seen, any press he's done, he's grateful. He just seems like he is grateful to be there. The Flames arguably love him. Uh, the fans love him as well. So, I think he's just a positive person to have in the organization. I think that even if he left, people would have been happy for him. So either way, he just seems happy to be here. So
0: Yeah, he's he's definitely a great story for uh the Flames. And it's nice so he, he still gets he'll still be on the team and have a tandem with Markstrom.
2: Yeah, and I think he's got a great just great chemistry with the guys on the bench and you can kind of watch the after game hug rituals and he does it with the goalie that's playing if he's the one on the bench. So I think he's just probably a really positive voice in the room.
1: He always seems like he's so genuinely excited for anyone who does something right. Like, I just, I keep thinking about that picture of him where he's celebrating in the net. While was it, was it Johnny Gaudreau who was about to score? And he's standing back there in the net with both hands in the air, just like elated for his friend to get a chance to score a goal. And it just, it seemed so pure. Like, I, I don't remember mm-hmm. if it was Goudreau who was scoring or if it was Monaghan or someone else, but I just remember seeing Dave back there with both hands up, just delighted that somebody on his team was getting getting the spotlight on them for a second. And that that was kind of a, a refreshing energy to see from, from a Flames goaltender <laughs> after the more veteran voice they had the few years prior, Mm -hmm. um, who we will get to in a few minutes. But before we, before we get to that, I I did want to get your take on, on that blue line situation, because like you said, it might be a little shaky next year. They still have Mark Giordano if I, if I'm correct. Um, but they won't have TJ Brody. He signed in Toronto. Um, -hmm. and instead they have Chris Tanev. Um, what's your take on that? Do you like it? Are you nervous about it? Do you like it short term? Do you hate it altogether? Um
2: well, we needed to fill that hole. Um and obviously we're expecting Travis Hamnick. He hasn't signed anywhere yet, but it likely will not be the Flames. Um and we had to fill TJ Brody's spot. Giordano coming off his Norris trophy year last season, did not have a great season. Uh, and he kind of had a bit of a stinker of a playoffs. So kind of our rising stars, Rasmus Anderson, um, who I'm not sure who will slot in, if it will be a Giordano-Anderson number one pairing, second pairing, maybe Tanev and Noah Hannafin, third probably use um, and then whoever else they slot in there. I'm not sure what they're going to do. I do think we are going to be a little bit shaky, because TJ Brody is such like a solid D-man. You know, you can depend on him. He's great on the power play. He's great on the penalty kill. I do know Chris Tanev blocks a lot of shots, which can also be concerning, too, because Travis Hamanick, was also a shot blocker, but sometimes it takes them out. And I do know that Tanev has yet to play a full season in quite some time because he does tend to be injured. So that's a concern too, is that he may not be able to play a full season with the Flames. The nice thing is that he does have that relationship with Markstrom. So they do have chemistry together. That's true. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. I'm, I'm kind of a wait and see on how these signings play out for Brad in the flames because um, I'm not certain our defense got better with losing TJ Brody and signing Tanev. I know that everybody has high praise for Tanev and he's great in the room and a great leader. So maybe he can bring that to the flames. Um, He also knows the Canucks really well. We brought in Western players, which, which can help. Um, They're going to know some of the weak spots on the other, teams, especially the Canucks, who we play quite a few times. So that could be good.
0: With, um, do you think they will end up signing another defenseman maybe? Because like you said, Hamnick is probably not going to come back. Uh, Tanev, a lot, I know a lot of Canucks fans are upset with him leaving, but he is, you know, for lack of a better word, injury prone. He's never played a full season. And Giordano, <laughs> even though he came off of, you know, an amazing season, a Norris, Trophy winning season when he him, it was in uh, 35, 36. He is getting, you know, he's 37 now. So do, mm-hmm. do you think maybe they'll try to add a little more depth on the blue line as well?
2: Well, I I don't think they have the room, cap space cap wise. Room, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Cap and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I I think they're Oliver Shillington. I hope I just said that right. Um, you did. <laughs> Good. <laughs> My Swedish is gonna need to get better with all the Swedish players we have now. Um. He's an interesting one to watch. He's a really great skater. I don't think he's quite come into his own yet. He still makes some really silly decisions. Uh, He's a possible third line pairing to me. I do think Brad will do another ad. I'm just not sure who that will be and who will really be available. Maybe he'll pull from Stockton too.
1: That was going to be my next question because looking at, just taking a glance at cap friendly right now, um, they have five defenders signed. They have uh, Velamaki Tanev, Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin, and Mark Giordano. Um, assuming Oliver Shillington ends up signing, he's an RFA. No reason to believe he won't. That makes six. That's not even technically a full game day uh, <laughs> defensive roster. Usually, you know, you have seven guys, so you have that extra. Um, just looking at their non-roster defense, um, Is there anyone that you can think of among their minor league players that you have an eye on? Like, uh, they have guys like Colton Pullman, Connor Mackey, um, Carl Johan Lerby, Alex Petrovic. Are any of those names that you would bring up? Or do you think that they're going to need to grab another cheaper guy from from somewhere else whether it be a guy like a like a depth michael stone type guy or something do you think they're going to need to do that god (laughs) bless michael stone (laughs) they
2: can't do that to me i think we'll see petrovic if i said that correctly um i do think we will see him um who one we may possibly see um Yelislin, is that how you pronounce that? I'm not quite sure. I know he got a call up. So potentially we could see him as well. Alexander. Oh, I'm gonna okay. butcher his last name. So he's another potential that I could see coming up and slotting in um and trying trying out that seventh D man position.
1: Interesting. So there it kind of sounds like unless unless something drastic changes, they're they're hoping that Jacob Markstrom will I think that is their defense. Yeah, that's their defense, like is Jacob Markstrom. (laughs) I think that's
2: the strategy is uh, Markstrom.
1: That's exciting.
0: Do you you think they're all set at forward right now? No. (laughs) No.
2: (laughs) That would have been the area, if I were the general manager of the Calgary Flames, um, that would have been the area that I focused on. Um, I can get into that. I'm not sure that I... Have the alcohol for that but <laughs> are you
1: telling me that a team with buddy robinson and zach ronaldo on there, their current group isn't uh isn't what they need those are those are two call-ups that they have available to them mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and we have former stanley cup winner milan lucic um
1: oh we still find for another three years with you yeah, guys. yeah i
2: think we have him into his 50s i'm i'm almost certain um so he's there um, I have a hot
1: take about Milan Lucic. Uh, I feel incredibly bad for him. I think we've even talked about it in the DMs before. I think he yes, he knows how bad he is right now. He knows he's no longer an NHL caliber player. And I don't think it's lack of effort. I think he is working his it, butt off every it's night. It's just, drawing. his shelf
0: life is just, it was too short the way he played. And he came yep. in at a, you know, a really strange time in whatever, 2010 and then I think, I mean, hockey's way different now in 2020 than it was in 2010, 2011, when he won a cup with the Bruins. So I think his shelf life is just, his game isn't really like, he just doesn't do anything good
1: anymore. He can't I, skate anymore. He, he I was will never say a great this. skater, but he can't
0: skate.
2: I will say, I will give him credit credit, actually, because in playoffs, you kind of saw that spark of his former self. Like, he legitimately, during... Kind of that play in round he actually played decent. Uh, he looked like he was having fun out there with Sam Bennett. Um, I think he was maybe even one of the leaders for points at some point during playoffs either in nice. assists or yeah he was, <laughs>
0: picking up, he was picking up assists I remember on that line with Bennett.
2: yeah and he looked you know he looked like he was having fun. Unfortunately he can't do that consistently throughout the schedule. Um, and you do see, you know, there there's certainly the camp that talk about the physical presence that he brings. But I think the reality is when you're playing in a league with skaters like Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid, is Milan Lucic the big bad wolf when he can't catch them? I don't, I'm not in that camp. So um, we have him signed, arguably popular guy in the room. Um, what else is going on in our fourth? Elias Lindholm was a strange one. Um, he had such a great first season with the Flames. Um, this year, he still was good. I think he was he was prior to everything getting canceled. I think he was on the verge of scoring 30 goals, which would have been a, a personal best for him. Uh, he really disappeared in playoffs, so I'm not too sure what was going on there. He He didn't seem like he could just for lack of a better term, um, get his poop in a pile. So he he was a strange one to watch him play off.
1: I didn't realize just how young he is. Uh, I, I always forget about him. Unfortunately, (laughs) some of those Carolina players, you know, you don't notice them as much. Um, and he's solid. I mean, those numbers, I looked at it. He, he was one goal shy of that 30 mark for last Mm -hmm. year and he's only 25. Um, so other than, you know, Matthew Kachak, he's really among those high end players, the youngest one they have. Um mm-hmm. but Matthew Kachak think he's gonna take a step forward next year? Do you think he's gonna maintain where he was last year? Do you think he might drop off a little bit? Do you I, think he can sustain the level of just chaos that <laughs> he tends to bring? Be
0: fun to watch. Do you think he's gonna give Drew Daddy a mental breakdown?
2: I sure hope so. <laughs> I think we're all hoping for that.
0: Yeah, that's like that. That was one of my favorite storylines this year.
2: You know, watching him is so fun. Like, just what a joy to watch. I know if he's not on your team, it's mental, and you scream at him and you hate him. But that's the reason why a fandom loves him. Um, I do think he will keep getting better. We've seen him mature. I think he was probably one of the top penalty drawers in the league last year. Um, so we've really seen him mature where he rides that fine line and he's kind of carved out a niche where like he'll he'll go, but just, just far enough to get the other players' attention and then back off. And then that usually results in a penalty. I mean, don't get me wrong. The flames power play is not impressive. It's not a danger for anyone, (laughs) but he's drawing those chances for us. So I do think as he matures, he is just going to get better and better.
1: That's exciting to think about. Not, not for Coyotes fans, not, not for any of the other Pacific division teams. Not for any other
2: fan. yeah. Yeah.
1: Not for any other fan base, but, but for Calgary that's, and he is, he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think he got into it with uh, with Darcy Kemper during a game last year. Uh, I want to say that he's the one that Kemper just beat the tar out of
0: during oh, probably. a game
1: here. Um, and I, I wish I knew what had happened there. I'd love to hear, hear Kachuk's take on it because Darcy Kemper is a uh, king amnesia. When we ask him things after games, he loves to say, oh, I, I, I don't really remember um, – I'm not, I'm not super sure what happened out there. I, I don't, I don't really know. And I mean, there was a throwdown. It, it looked like, it looked like UFC. Um, But it's, it's entertaining to watch him, especially mm-hmm. when you can see his mouth moving on the mm-hmm. ice and you just, you want to know what he's saying.
2: But well, he's got a cocky cheeky little grin on his face. Most of the time his mouth guard's hanging out of his mouth. Like, Arguably, I don't think he's very popular around the league in terms of you know people know he takes extra little jabs that he'll get you fired up um so I don't think it's any secret that you know he's not a fun player to play against.
0: you know it's funny his brother is the same way is like the same you're like <laughs> describing Brady Kachuk too. they're like the same people
2: uh, my dream would be both of them on a team together, preferably one that plays drew doughty five
1: times a year because that would be i
0: I would agree
1: (laughs) yeah my god so speaking of other pacific division teams i know we've been a we've been wanting to ask you about uh we look at some of the other goaltenders around around the western conference obviously cam talbot got a chance to to go and sign a free agent deal somewhere else he's with the minnesota wild now um Basically, the Western Conference just played goalie shuffles. So he Mm -hmm. went to the Wild. The Wild sent Devin Dubnik to the Sharks. Um, The Sharks, unfortunately, kept Martin Jones for whatever reason. (laughs) Um, The Vancouver Canucks sent you guys Markstrom. They took Braden Holtby from back east. Uh, And then the Edmonton Oilers did nothing. Well, that's not entirely true. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they, they, they did something in this mm-hmm. in the sense that they re-signed the delightful, illustrious Mike Smith to another deal. Um he is making two million next year with his performance bonuses. That is five hundred thousand more than Henrik Lundqvist is making. Um but as as a noted Mike Smith super fan, um mm-hmm. I I always see you tweeting about him. What is what is your take on that deal? <laughs>
2: I'm delighted by it. Like frankly, bravo Ken Holland. So happy for you guys. Job well done. Um I am thrilled as is every other Calgary fan. Um it's it's really funny. I have mixed feelings on Mike Smith um because I do think in Calgary's playoff run uh, last season. He was arguably their best player. Uh, yeah. He was the only one that came to work. For so
1: sure.
2: my ice-cold heart when it came to Mike Smith kind of melted a little bit because I was like, he's the only one that showed up, and goaltending was certainly not the reason why the Flames did not advance. Um, he is a character, and not to slag on goalies, cat, but aren't they all? Um, he's an interesting one to watch because he sets himself up for these, his positioning is, is bananas. <laughs> like don't, I'm not even a goalie, but I don't, I don't quite understand it. Um. Yeah. He's, he's an interesting one. I'm, I'm glad he's not Calgary's problem anymore because he's not reliable and he's not consistent. Um. I do in kind of the reverse of, of British, he has a harder time of accepting when he's had a rough night, whereas that's been really fresh, refreshing with Big Save Dave um, in a post game when he's had a stinker of a night. He's the first one to go out there and take responsibility for that. Um, I noticed that was not the case as Mike Smith has moved on to Edmonton.
1: No, that's that's never been his his strong yeah. suit. He's a, he's a really big fan of uh, explaining what went wrong everywhere else on the ice, but, but the not in the crease. Bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little yeah.
0: bit. Mm-hmm. He did have a really good playoff for uh, Calgary though in 2018, 2019. After for sure. Like, after having a like a pretty bad regular season, he definitely kept them in that Avalanche series. I feel like as long as he could.
2: Oh, he was he was fantastic. I, I, like there there were nights I was like, holy shit, who is that in net? Because it's not Mike Smith that I know. Um,
0: my main beef with him is, besides that he's like a psychopath, is uh, is he every people like tout his stick handling and how well yes. he plays the, how well he plays the puck. I I it's, I don't know if it's just me. I hate goalies that play. I'm sorry, cat too. I hate goalies that play the puck. Like it drives me nuts.
2: Well, and realistically, how many times has that resulted in a scoring chance? I mean, a lot of times, honestly. Brody probably has PTSD from it to be honest for all the times that he's had to get back really quickly. And, um, I, I do know that that's like a stick with some, some people love it. Some people hate it. I'm definitely also in the camp that we don't need you to go out there and stick handle and you know, the, the older leave for your
0: defenseman, leave it, yeah. leave, leave the puck for the defenseman. It's yeah. fine. It's fine.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I. Uh, at, at in Goal, um, InGoal Magazine, we we get some private data from some of the companies um, when it comes to tracking, and and so we get to see some of the data that doesn't publicly show up when it comes to what the goaltenders are doing and what's essentially effective and what's not, and which goaltenders are facing worse situations than others based on more than just the the danger zones for scoring chances, um, and. When looking at Mike Smith's numbers over the last like three or four years, in a technical sense, the net gain that he provided by breaking out the puck was higher because he created more scoring chances that were converted on than he allowed goals against on some of those blunders, so to speak. So in in theory, his puck playing was a net positive for the Oilers and it was a net positive for the Flames. But (laughs) I am, I even, I talked with Corey Hirsch about this a couple of years ago. We were talking about the evolution of playing the puck. And I talked with Dusty Amu as well. He's a former LA Kings development coach coached over in China this past year with the KHL. Um, And they were talking about how we look at the mistakes that are made by players so differently from the mistakes that are made by goalies. And looking at a guy like, for example, Johnny Gaudreau, and the turnover rate for him is probably much higher than Mike Smith's, but we criticize Mike Smith for it more. But that being said, I think that Mike Smith has enough of those blunders that he makes it hard for his defense to be able to predict where they should be. And that to me is the biggest problem. Cause we see other goalies who are really good at playing the puck and there's no problem with it. Like St. Louis, has used playing the puck as a part of their breakout strategy for years now they used it with Jake Allen they used it with Brian Elliott when he was there um Corey Crawford is notoriously underrated at playing the puck Carey Mm -hmm. Price notoriously underrated at playing the puck even Braden Holtby can do it at times um but they don't do it as prolifically as Mike Smith does it's like his favorite thing in the world to do is go behind the net and he (laughs) never wants he never wants to be in front of the net. He never wants to even just fly out to the faceoff spot <laughs> to be a part of that breakout. He always goes behind the net. And to me, that's just such a burden mentally on his defense that I don't want to see it. I'm tired of it. I don't care if it's a net gain. I'm done with it. Um, it's not enjoyable for me to watch.
0: Well, Nothing
1: you, about it. Well, now up, it is. Now yeah. it is. But, I, get, but, I get
2: deep joy from watching it now.
1: <laughs> yeah, now that he's on a, a team that I'm not covering or emotionally invested in, it's hilarious. But from a from a goaltending standpoint, trying to look for, for the artistry in the game, right? Like there are goalies that play for teams I don't like and I genuinely appreciate what they're doing. I can't genuinely appreciate anything that Mike Smith does because he either parks himself inside his net like behind mm-hmm. the goal line or he is behind his net. And I just mm-hmm. for a guy as big as he is I I don't understand what he's doing. He should be making himself so hard to score on and he makes himself so easy to score on.
0: And you bring up those other goalies and for sure like there are really good examples of goalies that are playing the that play the puck well and, and it's it's like they're playing in the, in in the system though, you know what I mean? Like the defense knows where they're going with the puck. I feel like mm-hmm. Mike Smith's the defense in front of him, have no fucking idea where he's going with the puck.
1: Nope. I think that sometimes he doesn't know where he's going with the puck, yeah. and that's, that's the crazy part. And I've tried back when he was with Arizona, because he's another goalie who we're looking at these Pacific Division musical chairs. I mean, obviously, he was in, in Arizona before Calgary, before Edmonton. Um, I tried talking with him about it one time, and he just gave me these weird nonsensical answers that basically amounted to I do what I want (laughs) and like there wasn't I'm sure there's insight in his brain to it but he he wasn't very forthcoming with with any sort of insight involving his puck playing decisions and why he uses it as frequently as he does and it's just it's strange and especially looking at we were talking about Mike Giordano being older and how, you know, there's always a concern when these guys get older that they're going to regress. Mike Smith is not young. <laughs> I think he Ooh. might be older than Henrik Lundqvist. Um, yeah. He he's is in his forties, right? No, Close. he's 38. He'll turn 39 this year. Um, okay. Henrik Lundqvist is, if I remember correctly, he is 37 turning 38, maybe. He's, he's, um, 38.
0: he's 38 as well.
1: So they're both going to turn 39 this year. So they're the same age. And Mike Smith is still out. They're like wild and out <laughs> every night. Like he's going to a rave. And I don't know how, especially when you consider these bigger guys. Like we talked about how Milan Lucic is slowing down. You look mm-hmm. at some of the other bigger players around the league the older you get, the more injury prone you are when you mm-hmm. have more muscle that needs to be warmed up. I just, I think Mike Smith is going to get hurt. I think he's not going to play super well. I feel kind of bad for Connor McDavid. I feel more bad for Leon dry Cause he seems mm-hmm. nicer.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. I don't, I don't really know why they signed that deal. Um, especially given how many guys were on the market this year. Do you, and you're, you're up in Canada, Chrissy. So obviously you're not in Edmonton, but you're in Alberta. You probably hear at least something. Do you think that there's a chance that legitimately no other goaltenders would sign in Edmonton? Like, do you think that that's what happened or what, what impression have you gotten there? I mean, there was,
2: you only hear rumblings, right? So you don't know what actually is said. I mean, there are people with more insider information than me, than me but um, there was rumblings that Edmonton were in on a few goalies. Um, another kind of idea of looking at it is a lot of those goalies just spent a significant time, amount of time in Edmonton. Um they may not have been warm and fuzzy to return there as a permanent base. So that might have been kind of in the forefront of some of those goalies' minds. Maybe the Edmonton wasn't for them. Um, it might be the concern around what Edmonton has right now as a team. Uh, arguably McDavid and Settle are, are certainly carrying that team. Um, they do have some interesting players coming up that I think are ones to watch. Ethan Baer is one that I've kind of started attention to um yeah i the mike smith is is interesting especially with his no trade with the no the restrictions on there um
1: that is a full no trade clause people yeah my guess is he doesn't even have a trade list there's no one they can trade him to unless he opts to completely waive that no trade clause
2: i mean i i can vouch for mike smith i have a nice warm fuzzy personal story about Mike Smith that maybe this is why he got 2 million dollars. Um 2 years ago I was driving I was leaving the Saddle Dome and there was a truck driving in front of me and Calgary had had a awful snowstorm the night before. The the roads were a nightmare. If you didn't have four-wheel drive, you weren't getting through. So it was kind of earlier in the morning and I was leaving the Saddle Dome and there was a truck right in front of me and as we pulled up to stop at the stoplight There was a gentleman in a wheelchair at the stoplight, but the snow was so deep that he couldn't get across um, the crosswalk. So the person that was in the truck in front of me hopped out of his vehicle, wet hair, sure as shit it was Mike Smith, and he wheeled that man across the crosswalk, (laughs) got him safely on the other side, um, and got back into his truck and drove away. So, I mean, I've seen Mike Smith do nice things. So...
0: Now I feel bad for making fun of Mike Smith. (laughs) I don't.
2: I I mean, it could be he also wheeled him across the street because he he needed to get going. Um, There could have been some self-interest in that as well. I mean, if Mike wasn't going to do it, I was, like, on the verge. I was, like, okay, if this guy – because I could see it was a man in front of me, and I was, like, oh, man, like, this is a huge wheelchair, and I'm, like, (laughs) 5'3", and the snow was up to my knees, so – Yeah, that was a really nice moment to see.
1: That's, I'm happy for him (laughs) that he did that. And nobody was watching,
2: nobody, like, it was, it was like one of those nice things where you catch somebody doing a good deed for no, for no other reason than it was just the right thing to do.
1: And that's good. That's, I mean, we've definitely heard stories that he's, he's got good character, um, I won't I won't begrudge him that. Um I just wish he'd take some of that good character and maybe prop up some of his teammates in interviews, especially in exit interviews. Uh I know I know our Arizona listeners aren't aren't going to soon forget or forgive his uh his comments when he went to Calgary about how excited he was to finally play pass to some players who could score. Oof. Um so I don't think his uh his wheeling someone across the road will quite balance <laughs> that out for Warm them. Warm the listener's heart. That's <laughs> fair. From the listener perspective, but but that's that's good to know that you know he he has done some good things. Um, and I'm he's sure got he's some redeeming qualities. Person, right? He's he's got, and he's got I think like five kids all under the age of eight or nine at this point maybe he has more by now for a while there he had I think four under five here in Arizona always running around the lower bowl um so it could be that you know he told the the Oilers hey no one else is willing to come back my family would like to stay put for more than a year I will come back if you give me two million dollars and they (laughs) inexplicably said yes but looking at some of those other ones that we talked about uh, that we've just briefly mentioned, Braden Holtby and Henrik Lundqvist. Those are outies. That's more, that's more Mikey's wheelhouse. Um, and I know that I'm forcing you, Chrissy, to talk about nothing but goalies. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but those are two giants in goaltending, mm-hmm. right? We looked at, we thought Marc-Andre Fleury would be on the move as one of those three big giants. He ended up staying put, and those two ended up in completely different spots. It's going to be jarring to see how do you like having Braden Holtby in the division with us? And, and what do you think about Lundqvist? I know he's, he's out east, but what, what do you think about those deals?
2: I, you know, I actually like the Holtby move for Vancouver a lot. Um, I think Holtby is ready to step back as a number one and the Canucks can really start giving Demko some more time whereas with Markstrom obviously Markstrom's still a number one um and and wants to play like a number one so I kind of the rumblings when I've been listening to the Vancouver uh guys talk is that we can expect to see more of Demko and we be doing a little bit more of the mentoring um I also heard that be as excited to work with Vancouver's goalie coach. Kat, you can probably step in there and talk about that a little bit more. So, um, culture-wise, I think he'll fit in great. Uh, who wouldn't want to be on a team with Quinton Hughes and Elias Pettersson? Like that's
1: that's really exciting. That's you. You mentioned that that culture aspect, and I think I don't think that's talked about enough when it comes to especially right now looking for not not progressive teams per se, but teams that have the right environment for certain guys. And Braden Holtby has made it very clear for years now that he's looking for inclusion and acceptance and he wants to be a part of those conversations and that's kind of the vibe that I get from the Vancouver Canucks um yeah it it pains me to say that because Vancouver Canucks fans have not always been the kindest or the most stable um (laughs) but their team right now seems to be if there was a team in the NHL right now that I would compare to the NBA, which is a league that's doing it right. Like, they're doing it all right. It's the Vancouver Canucks. Their players are having fun. They're being allowed to have fun. They're being nice. You know, they their players aren't necessarily getting caught up in, in these scandals. And the one player who has gotten very publicly called out for just gross, misogynistic stuff, uh, they had traded him away. <laughs> that would be the illustrious, was it Brendan Lemieux, who – who had the DMs. Um, was it Lemieux? Ooh. I believe it was Brendan Lemieux. Um, but, you know, that that's a... When we look at the Canucks, that's a team that I can see Braden Holtby being able to continue his advocacy work with and seeing him mm-hmm. being able to mentor those guys. And, and I, I do, I hate saying that. Because it's the Canucks and we're not supposed to be a Canucks hype podcast, but <laughs> I feel like I'm happy for them. I mean, it's a
2: very progressive city. Uh, I think he'll fit right in there. I mean, his wife has been quite vocal about human rights issues as well. That's a great landing spot for them um, and probably will really allow him to lean into that. So it, it'll it be interesting to see him in the Canadian, a Canadian market and especially a city as progressive as Vancouver. I'm interested to see what the Holtbees do there.
0: He he's he's a very easy guy to root for. And like you, you mentioned, um, him and his wife, I know they were very big um supporters and allies to the LGBTQ community when they were in DC. So uh it, he, I I think it's it's it is a really good fit for him. And just on in terms of on the ice, uh I I could see him being more of a 1B like you mentioned to Demko, but that's that's a nice tandem to have, especially if he hope he gets his game back a little bit because he mm-hmm. hasn't had the best couple years in uh with the caps. So, I I think if he can rebound a little bit, he, having Demko and him as 1A 1B, that's not a not a bad tandem to have.
2: The only so- thing I feel bad for him about is like he's not going to face less shots. I mean, Markstrom got lit up <laughs> every night. Yeah.
0: That, and defense, that defense does still have some holes in it.
2: glaring holes yeah. <laughs> that they did not, in my opinion, get better in free agency defensively. No. Um, so that could be a challenge. And that might be a nice thing to have two goalies that can maybe carry that weight um, of getting lit up every night.
1: So to start, I want to, I will clear Brendan Lemieux. Uh, I will clear Lemieux's name. Um, it was Brendan lepsic uh, oh yes. right
0: yeah. oh what a piece so I, of shit oh my okay. god yeah
1: <laughs> so I want to make sure I get that out there before before we move on but but no especially commenting on that defense um god bless Tyler Myers um that, <laughs> that's a doozy of the contract I know uh here in here in Phoenix I was talking with friend of the podcast Richie Flores. Um, we were having a nice, nice heady argument a couple nights ago about the Oliver Eckman Larson potential trades and whether we thought the coyotes had the upper hand in those talks or the Canucks. Um and I I was pointing out that, you know, Oliver Eckman Larson doesn't have an amazing deal for his skill level. Um mm-hmm. he's definitely not playing at an eight point seven million dollar level at this point. But he would still be, after Quinn Hughes, the best player on the Canucks defense, and it wouldn't be particularly close, um, which is a little scary. Um, they did add Nate Schmidt. Good I, for do, them. I, like, yes.
0: I like that trade for them.
1: I'm happy for them on that. I'm a little baffled by some of the other things they did, namely not trading away some of their other players. Um, they have to get rid of some of that money that they have on the books for guys like Brandon Sutter unfortunately Tyler Myers um Louie Erickson God bless him that's the Milan Lucic contract 2.0 and they're still
2: paying off Luongo are they not
1: correct still on their they're still still paying off Luongo I believe they're also still paying off a buyout um and then they also have a couple other players who are not cleared to play right now they have a couple players Berlin Berlin exactly who just aren't medically cleared to play and so some of those things, hindsight 2020, you know, they couldn't have anticipated that the Luongo situation would end when it did or how it did. They couldn't they're have anticipated paying... for Furland, but
0: yeah, they're paying, but, paying yeah, a recapture for that.
1: They are, they're paying a, and unfortunately that was, that was a situation where I think Luongo could potentially still be playing in some capacity, but that wasn't Vancouver's decision to make, right? They dealt him to Florida. That became Florida's decision as to when when they no longer really had room for him and encouraged him to retire. But, but Ian Clark is, I would say, one of the top five goalie coaches in the league. So if there's someone that can help Holtby with that situation, and at the very least, the Canucks last year, once again, looking at some of that privately held data on the goaltenders. Uh, the Canucks allowed a higher volume of shots. The Capitals were allowing scarier chances. They yeah. were they were dealing with a lot of really weird, slippery defensive breakdowns. So at the very least, Holtby is going to be taking either a lateral move or a minute step forward. Whereas I know that the numbers only came up because when Henrik Lundqvist signed with the Capitals, Kevin Woodley with Engle Magazine took a look at the Rangers numbers and the Capitals numbers and said that when it came to those high danger chances, looking at slot line passes, screenshots, unblocked shots, rebounds, stuff like that. The Rangers and the Capitals were kind of on par with each other, which is not a good thing for the Capitals. (laughs) So that's that's going to be interesting to see if maybe just getting out of some of those weird, quirky defensive breakdowns is going to help Holtby in the long run. But we'll see. Um, I still think that this season's going to be kind of weird when it comes to how players are going to play. Um, and Chrissy, you might you might have a take on this. Um, looking at how some of the players performed in the bubble, I think gave us a little bit of a hint as to maybe the inconsistency we'll see. Maybe not from the same players, but over the course of the season this year, just because COVID and the bizarre environments and maybe some of the additional stresses that are going to be placed on some of the players. And it's going to be a bizarre schedule situation. We're probably going to see more back-to-back, some of those three and five, stuff like that. Do you think that that's going to have an impact either on Markstrom gelling with the Flames or on Holtby with his arrival in the Canucks with with any of that?
2: I can't see it not having an effect, uh, especially when they don't know what's going on yet uh i don't think we have a really great picture of what next season is going to look like um that being said i i like that move for both of them like markstrom calgary and if you follow me at all or you pay you know that i love the swedish players so i think for markstrom like come on over to team sweden like little calgary <laughs> you know, calgary's like little sweden now so um and I think he wants to be here, um you know, like from watching the Canucks Twitter, while it is rarely positive they they legitimately seemed happy that Markstrom was going to get paid what he was worth. They were happy it wasn't their team paying him, but they were happy that he was going to get paid so um i I think it's a great move i I'll be honest there was a part of me that really wanted Lundqvist, but it was in the same sort of nostalgic that you, like you wanted Yammer Yager. Like I just wanted a Lundqvist jersey, like a Calgary Flames Lundqvist jersey. Like even if we just had him for a year, you know, just like a moment in time that we had with the Yager. Cause I think the Flames have been sneaky good at getting those kinds of like little deals with players where we kind of get them on their swan song. Um, We'll see what he does with the Caps. I'm not sure what to make of the caps yet. Truth be told, I don't watch as much Eastern hockey, but I mean, I'm curious
1: to see what he does
2: with Ovechkin. Fun yeah. story
1: about when when you say those those swan song players in a in Calgary, I do have a a Jonas Hiller jersey um, that a couple of my friends from Calgary actually brought down for me in 2015 when. <laughs> The Anaheim Ducks and the Calgary Flames met in the second round of the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. A couple couple Flames fans, uh, Sidney Salter, Ari, and Mike Fail, they flew mm-hmm. down to Arizona. I rented a car, drove all four of us out to Anaheim, and we watched Jonas Hiller um, get shut out by the Ducks, but we all showed up wearing Calgary Flames' Jonas Hiller jerseys um, and <laughs> we're, we're super delighted by it. We were there to cheer him on. We were, we were hoping he would win. We, I think a lot of people stared at us, but so your, your version of getting that Lundquist Jersey that you wanted, that's, that's what I did when, when the flames got Jonas Hiller. Um, And I still have it. It's, it's still hanging in my closet right next to my, my Florida Panthers Roberto Luongo Jersey <laughs> and my Scott darling capitals one. <laughs> I've got Amazing. some really sad shirts in my closet, some really sad goalie shirts.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm hopeful. I mean, I hope Markstrom is like this generation's Kippersoff, you know, like that just oh, kind of the face of the franchise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a little while since Calgary's had a legitimate number one goaltender. And we all talk about Kippersoff like he's a legend still. And Markstrom certainly put up MVP numbers. Last season, I don't think he's going to decline anytime soon, and I I actually do see him probably still being able to play to the end of his contract. Um, he's in his late 20s. Goalies they they can last a little bit longer, as you guys well know. I'm preaching to the choir, so um, I think his contract will look better than Tanev's contract will look. I think in a year, two years, we might be looking at that Tanev contract with with a little bit. More stress, but I'm hopeful.
0: Yeah, I I think I I out of all goalie signings, I think I like the Markstrom one the best, probably just because I I do think he'll play at a high level till the end of that. Ooh, and
1: it's,
0: and it's not a back breaking cap it.
1: No, so that's spicy. By the way, I can't believe you'd say that's the best one when the New Jersey Devils got Corey Crawford.
0: Oh, yeah, that's I, I really Thank sorry. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: I, my, my apologies. I really I, I mean, they're goalies. Do they? Are they really people? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh. I do like the Corey. Cross. I actually think that is a really savvy move by the Devils. I think he will fit in really nicely with uh, Mackenzie Blackwood. So uh, that was a really good move for them, too. I forgot, Corey. There's too many goalies are moving around. It's hard to keep track.
1: Oh, that's that's why I'm so baffled by this Mike Smith thing. There were. of the league's goaltenders changed positions, like changed to new teams. The only teams that really seemed to keep their goaltending the same were like the Dallas Stars, who had elite goaltending, the Boston Bruins, who had elite goaltending, the Arizona Coyotes, who had elite goaltending, the LA Kings, who don't matter, Um, and then the Oilers, who I don't know what they did. But last one for you, Chrissy. Uh, Speaking of the Canucks, Roberto Luongo looking at some of those guys from out west, the Corey Schneider signing. did you number one see it, and number two, do you have any opinions on it? I know he's not a Swede, but he is a ginger, and I believe we should all have soft spots for gingers,
2: yeah, did he take a league minimum deal? Was it seven hundred did yeah, yeah, did. yeah, you know you know what I think. You know, I'd pay that to a goalie any day. Like that's that's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. Um, another guy that I easy to root for. Like I hope he does well. You, you know, like when I look at that, and then you look at the Matt Murray with the six point five. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't. I wish I had more insight to the court. Good for him. Good for the team. You know, seven hundred thousand on a goalie. See if he works. See if he doesn't.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. He's and he's going to be their third guy, so it's not like he's going to have a ton of expectations, and maybe he can revive his career.
2: Yeah, maybe he can, or maybe he's just like one of those quote-unquote cliche good in the room guys that just brings that yeah. experience, um, pumps other yeah. people up because I I think we overlook sometimes that the impact that that can have, especially with goalies, um, because sure. they kind of have that. Sometimes that internal competitive nature. So I don't think every goalie is a mentor, um, because they are competitors and they are sometimes comp they're competing with their teammate for that spot. So that's where I can kind of see a Schneider really shining is probably being a good mentor at this point in his career. I think and that's
1: that's a re- Yeah. For you, ahead. Mikey, I mean that's that's the Islanders. So
0: Yeah. You said He'll you it.
1: see him as as the third goalie. He's with Mitch Korn. We talked about how how yeah, Jacob Markstrom had managed to bounce, you know, bounce back with Ian Clark and is now a great signing for the Flames. Uh, Braden Holpe is now getting to work with Ian Clark. Corey Schneider's getting to work with Mitch Corn. Do you necessarily want to see Corey Schneider in a definitive third role? Or would you potentially want to see him, if he works with Korn, during however long this offseason is, comes into training camp and looks settled and fine and healthy, most importantly, would you want to see him start off the season and let Ilya Sorokin start in the AHL, kind of like what Shosturkin did, give him a chance to acclimate to North America and then bump himself up mid-season?
0: There is, unfortunately, with the, it was Sorokin bringing him over from the KHL and everything in that whole saga, he only has a year on his ELC right now, so... He's gonna to have to come in and play, and uh, he's I think he's 25 or 26 now, so I think he's just they're gonna put him in and platoon him with Var- Varlamov. And uh, we've talked about how it's gonna be a condensed schedule, so I think Corey Schneider he he will be the third guy, but things could happen. A goalie could get hurt. Uh, you're sometimes you're gonna need a, th- a third guy because you're gonna be playing three games in five nights, and if he Revives like if working with Mitch Korn makes him uh, a a better goalie again, then I, that's a good problem to have with such a, with a, such a tight schedule coming up. Um, my only, if he's going to be able to, I'm not sure. I mean, injuries have kind of derailed his career and he's 34, which isn't terribly old, but um, I, I don't know. I, I, I would have to see a lot. I would have to see a lot for him. Uh, to snatch a, a backup or a platoon role. So we'll see. But good for him. I hope he turns his career around.
1: I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. Um, I hadn't realized that Sorokin's already 25. That's that's yeah. fascinating. Although we've been talking about Jacob Markstrom. I believe he played his first NHL season at right around that time. Um he literally made it to the point where, or no, he he'd played with the Panthers and then he was back down in the AHL until really essentially until 2015-16 when he was, how old was he that year? He was 25, so, so same kind of thing there. Um, So could work out in his favor. Um, Chrissy, any bold predictions for the season? And they don't necessarily have to be player related. <laughs> I'm
2: just hoping we get a season. Um I I think we'll see everybody be a little tentative. I think I was listening to one of the Vancouver shows. I believe it was yesterday and they were saying how everybody's kind of taking a wait and see approach to this next season. Maybe this next season is a bit of a building season for some teams. Maybe that's why we didn't see some teams make big splash because they know they're going to be under, obviously, everybody's facing the cap crunch in addition to what's going on financially in the NHL. So I think we're going to see a a different product than what we're used to. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I, I did find it as playoffs kind of went on, I was overwhelmed with how much hockey there was, but I was also a little bit less engaged. And I mean, that speaks to what I think fans bring to the sport. Um, as, as much as teams tried to keep kind of fans engaged some better than others, I was just kind of missing that element of, of what you get from that live sport. You know, it, I felt like I was watching kind of a shinny, just a, a really great shinny, some of the games. So.
1: That's yeah, that's very true. Now, along those lines. I'll I'll add one final one and then we'll we'll let you go to bed. Um w- with that in mind, talking about how how much better it is having having fans there. Number 1, do you think that teams are going to be able to have fans at games? Um I know that football's trying it right now with mixed results. Um overseas there there are teams that have fans, um but there are also some leagues that are dealing with some some kind of tricky covid situations and having to quarantine um so do you think that we'll be able to have fans at games and if we do do you think you'll go good question i think it
2: depends on where we're playing um, because each city kind of has different restrictions uh i think Ottawa ended up being the butt of the joke today with Eugene Melnick talking about how he had a plan for <laughs> yeah. 6000 fans fans. 6, yeah
1: um
2: and everybody was saying that's kind of your average attendance they really like I, that's your
1: plan every year yeah,
2: yeah that's like good numbers for you that's that's a profitable year for them um i i do think that probably there will be some US clubs pushing that trying to get fans in the stands Um, in Canada, I don't see it as being as likely just because our restrictions have been a bit stronger. I mean, Ontario is back into uh, a lockdown in kind of their hotspots again, where the the gatherings have been really limited. Um, And it's hard to plan for that when you think about not only do you need the ticket takers, the people working in concessions, um, security, what do you do if in a week in advance You know, all your plans to have that live game get canceled. How do you reimburse fans? What, like, there's a lot of logistics behind this. Um, I'd hate to be in their situation. Um, As for going to a game, not right now. Um, I think we're just still seeing lots of outbreaks. I think we're seeing kind of reinfection information. I just don't think we have enough data yet, and I'm just not comfortable being in a a building with 19,000 other people i stand
1: that's kind of where where i am i believe mikey i think you're kind of kind of in in the same boat right there although living in new york and phoenix right now we uh i don't think we'll we'll have any opportunities to be in person at games anytime soon anyway um but hopefully things will will turn around maybe (laughs)
0: Yeah, on that note, uh, hopefully we'll all get to go to games soon because it sucks not being able to, especially hot, playoff hockey. It's just the best with fans. There's no Yeah, other and would the,
2: would the experience, yeah, even still be the same if it was, like, you and there was, like, no one in front of you, no one on either side of you, and no one behind you, so you were, like, in this weird island. You were still watching them, but, like, it would be, like, you know, like, parents like you feel like maybe your parents and somebody out on the ice, like, cause there's maybe a hundred of you in this dance or as Pat yeah. can say, like, unfortunately maybe you're at a women's college game where, you know, like family and friends they're supporting.
0: So. Right. I, I uh, just really quick. My brother lives in Texas and they were talking, they're doing the world series in Texas and they're releasing it to the fans. So we're, me and him were kind of talking about maybe buying tickets. Maybe if the Yankees made it that far, then we're just like, this is just not worth, like, the risk and just worth it.
2: Well, just You know what? When you go to a game, like, honestly, if you think about all the, like, your touch points and, like, exactly. people need to scan your ticket, the bathroom lines, like, how do you even handle a bathroom line when you're yeah. socially it's, distant?
0: It's mind-numbing. That's what it is. It's just, like, it's just too much.
2: Yeah, think about like when you're on the concourse, even if they limit the number of fans, they certainly don't have like the restroom facilities. Like anybody that's ever been to a live anything. Yeah. Going to the bathroom is a nightmare. Getting right. out of the parking lot is crazy. So yeah, I don't I don't think that experience would be a pleasurable one. I think the diehard fans might might be there just because they, they need to be there. Um I I can yell safely from my couch and coach. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's just, I feel like it would just be a high stress situation the whole time I'm there.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's kind of, I mean, we, we got to go to some of the practices um, before the teams headed to the bubble. um, And it was just, it was so bizarre. Um, You know, we walked in, you had to be media. They didn't have any fans coming in, obviously, you had to sign a waiver saying that if you did somehow get sick, like the team wouldn't be liable for it, had to take your temperature, had to wear a mask, and then they had like signs for the seating. So you sat so far away from everyone else that like usually at practice, you know, you talk to the other reporters there and you talk to the radio hosts there and you – You just try and, like, you engage about what you're seeing on the Mm -hmm. ice. And obviously, at a game, you'd be able to sit with, I think, a few more people. You'd be able to sit, like, if you came with your family, you wouldn't have to sit six seats down from your mom or whoever. But it would still, like, just having to sit there without being able to turn and talk to the people around you, which is half of the engagement, just at practice, I feel like that would make – me feel sadder at a game than anything else being having to sit, you know, six or seven seats down from the person next to me and not being able to cheer and look and talk to them about what's going on on the ice would, I I would have more fun being able to sit on my couch with my family, eating eating my own food, not having to worry about sitting in this giant arena where the on ice product is sometimes more fun in person. Um, and the sound of the skaters on the ice is mm. is electrifying. But just just having to sit there in these isolated, almost pods. Well, and the, do you trust seat. do
2: you trust your fellow man enough? Because like you no. think about it, you've spent <laughs> If, nope. if you're a whole family, so you've, spent, you've bought four tickets in some cities, that can be upwards of $600. Like if you're in the Canadian market, um, your kid comes down with a sniffle, or maybe you're like, you know, my throat's a little sore today, but you've paid $600 for these tickets. So do you trust that those people who maybe are feeling a little under the weather aren't going to go when they've shelled out money that potentially they're not going to get that back? So, I mean, human nature comes into play and, you know, most people are like, it's just a cold. I've got sniffles, you know, like, so I, I don't even know if I trust other people enough and I, Hey, I, I can see the point. Like you spent $600 on these tickets. Like, you know, prior to COVID, I don't think most of us would have even thought twice, you know, if, if we were kind of maybe had a sore throat, like, Oh, I've already paid for the ticket. I'm going to go. So I would hope now most people would think twice, but I don't think that. that
1: well, that, this year has completely turned, turned that on its head, right? We think about, like last year, um, and it makes it hard. You think back on January and February during cold and flu season, whether or not we were unintentionally sick and spreading, spreading COVID or other similar diseases, but I think back to during the height of the winter, I get sick every year, like clockwork. Um, I used to get strep throat every year. Now I get a mild case of the flu every year happens without fail. Um, I still covered a few games. Um, I took obscene doses of Robitussin. Um, sometimes I would take, um, Mucinex and, uh, and DayQuil, like mixed together, which I don't Mm. think is okay. Um, And then I would stand at a social distance, right? But so I would stand at the back of scrums and I wouldn't ask questions. I would text them to Alex Kinkoff or Craig Morgan or Richie Flores, like somebody else who was covering the game as well. Tell them ahead of time, hey, this is what I want to ask X player. I don't want to be breathing on them can you ask them for me so I can record it? Um, and I went to games. I toughed it out. I went to work when I was sick last year. And I know I'm not the only person who did that. Yeah. Um, we used to do that all the time. You would take like your cocktail, of Dayquil and Mucinex and Robitussin and Tylenol and try not to breathe on other people. And thinking about how hard it is to break that mindset, mm-hmm. not just for people who can't afford to break the mindset, um, but for just, instinctively that's what we've done as a society for so long i think about how many people come into my non-hockey related job um and don't respect a six foot distance they stand far closer to you um even if they're not directly talking to you they brush right past you i don't think people respect that that bubble quite as well as they they should and at a sporting event where they're going to be drinking, I absolutely think they wouldn't respect it. And like you said, if it's if it's an expensive ticket, um, some people save up for the one game a year that they can go to. If that's the one ticket you bought for the year for your favorite team, uh, I absolutely think people would go if they were sick. They would put on their mask, tell people it was allergies, take some Tylenol ahead of time to reduce any fever they might have and truck on down there. I have zero faith that people wouldn't do that.
0: Yeah, I don't trust anyone.
1: (laughs) But that's that's a dark note to end on. So pushing it in a high note direction, Chrissy, which player on the Flames are you most delighted outside of Jacob Markstrom? That's cheating. Which player are you the most excited to see? Pop off stats wise next year. Who who is just you're delighted to think about how good they're going to get. Uh,
2: I have a two part answer. I'm going to answer front end, and then I'm going to answer back end because I don't think they're quite comparable. Um, you know what? I have high hopes for Johnny Gaudreau. Um, he's always a hot topic with Flames fans. Um, but people forget what a producer he is. Um. I I'm was delighted to see that Brad didn't or hasn't moved him, um because the, there was certainly talk, um his name got thrown around because I believe he's a free agent next year, um so I'm excited to see what he does, uh you know he's still he's a he's a superstar like arguably for the Calgary Flames he's a superstar he's not one that you easily trade away. And have somebody come back and give you that kind of production value. So I, I am interested to see what Johnny does this season. Uh, he took quite a bit of criticism. So I'm I'm interested to see how he responds. Um, and then in the back end, I'm super excited about Rasmus Anderson. I think he is going to be one of the more notable D-men, first pairing D-men in the league. Um, you, you can quote me on this and we can revisit it in a few years. But... I think he'll be one of the best two-way players. Like, I I think he's great on the power play. He's great on the penalty kill. Um, He's smart. He's had the chance to be mentored by Mark Giordano, who is arguably, he's also a great player as well, and he's a great player to learn from. So on the back end, I'm really interested to watch him develop. I think he'll be Calgary's number one D-man here, probably, I would say, by next after so he's he's really exciting to watch too and not just well
1: that's a much better note to end on uh, <laughs> we will we will let you go thank you so much for coming on um yeah,
0: sorry if we kept you too long
1: no that's okay my my pleasure I was so nervous
2: I still am very nervous I might go throw up
0: because no <laughs> that what? was my first
1: that was my first podcast you guys
0: that makes
1: me so happy
0: you crushed it and yeah this is again this is like listened to by my mom and cat's mom and that's it so don't don't worry
1: (laughs) we popped your podcast cherry by talking about mike smith and jacob markstrom that's (laughs) i i'm so happy about this you have (laughs) have a wonderful evening and thank Uh, you so much for coming on
0: before you go do you just want to throw us your twitter handle so our listeners can follow
1: you or
2: like send me hate mail um <laughs> <so> sure <laughs> it's Chrissy underscore Leah L E H, but it's pronounced Lee because my mom thought she was being very trendy in the 80s
0: there you go thanks for sure. having
2: me on you guys
0: yeah be sure to have Chrissy uh follow Chrissy and thank you for joining us
2: have a good night thanks guys